Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for this time that you've given to us to come before you on the special day as we remember the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. Lord, we pray that you stir our hearts this, this day to bring our needs and petitions before you, specifically, Lord, to ask for the revival of religion, to see souls saved for the price that you paid on that day, Lord. We want to thank you for this time. We thank you for each one of us, Lord. We commit us to you. and We pray, Lord, you unite our hearts together in unity of prayer that we may bring before you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today being Good Friday, the day we remember the crucifixion of our Lord, I just want us to turn our attention to the cry of our Lord from the cross. We read in Matthew 27, 46, Matthew 27, 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now we know it is a rhetorical question because the Lord knew the answer to that question. He knew that he had to be forsaken of God in order that you and I are not forsaken by God. Hell is the only God-forsaken place that go in entire God's creation. And from the time of Adam's sin, people are rushing to its headlong. Sin entered the world through one man's sin and death through sin. The price that had to be paid to redeem mankind from sin and therefore death, the Son of God had to be forsaken. Now, what did it mean for our Lord to be so forsaken on the cross? To understand that we need to go to the previous night when the Lord with his apostles were in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. We heard last Saturday from Pastor Jeff Thomas on the same passage that is so familiar to all of us, where we encounter our Lord in agonizing prayer. It was just after the Last Supper. I can just visualize the scene in my mind, the Lord coming out of the east gate of Jerusalem, walking down towards the Kidron Valley and then crossing it over to the garden that was there at the foothills of Mount of Olives. He asked eight of his apostles to sit in a particular place and then took with him Peter, John, and James to some distance away to pray. And there he was in deep agony and full of sorrow. He asked these apostles to tarry with him while he prayed. Now, our Lord, who always did the Father's will, is found here, pleading with God, if it was possible for the hour to pass away, for the cup to be taken away. Now, we know that he waited all his life for this hour, and at this hour is approaching, he was in deep agony, not wanting to go through it. Now, I don't think any one of us can really comprehend the intensity of his prayer where we read that his sweat became like blood drops. He would have certainly prayed with strong crying and tears. In this prayer, we do have an encouragement that it is not wrong to pray to God when in our human frailty, we may want a certain situation to pass away even when we know that it is God's will. And also we understand from this prayer of Jesus that certain prayers are best not answered because God has a greater purpose 
in those prayers? What was that cup that he wanted to be taken away? Why did he want that hour to be passed away without having to drink the cup? Had he not waited for it all his life? Throughout his ministry made reference to this hour. But as the hour approached, it seems he was dithering. Was the cup of the crucifixion, the physical suffering that he had to undergo at the hands of very people whom he had created? If that were so, he would not have expected us as his followers to face persecution, suffering, even crucifixion. And it may be possible that some of his followers have faced greater physical suffering than Jesus himself did on the cross. Because physical suffering does not separate us from the love of God. The cup that he dreaded to drink was not the physical suffering, but being forsaken by God. It was the hour when God's wrath, just wrath, that was preserved is going to be poured upon his beloved son. It was that hour when God would turn away his face from his beloved son and utterly forsake him. As a finite creature, we cannot understand how the eternal punishment, the eternal forsaking of sinners had to be compressed together as it were and apply to one man on the cross for those three hours of abandonment. From eternity, Jesus did not know what it means to have a break of fellowship from his father. But now, as he hung on the cross, that's exactly what he was facing. Break of fellowship, forsaken. Then he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he had become sin, who never did not know what is sin for you and me. He could not address God as Father at that point of time, but only as God, the just judge of the whole world, so that you and I can call God today as Abba, Father. While the son cried out, what was happening in the heart of God? We are not told in the Bible, but we can imagine his heart would have been broken, as broken as the heart of his son when he was crying out. Now, whenever we pray for earthly things, we can have a picture of God in our mind as someone sitting on a great throne, one who is able to call things into existence as though they existed. When we pray for healing, we can have a picture of Jesus walking in the dusty plains of Palestine, healing all those who came to him. But when we gather together to pray for saving of sinners, to redeem the prodigals of our own families, what picture can we have in our mind? May I suggest that we can have this picture of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane wanting not to go through it. And the picture of the Lord crying out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As we open our lips and bring out our petitions, it will be good to have that voice of God crying ringing in our ears. Then we will have an earnestness in what we are saying then we can have the same intensity that the Lord faced in the Garden of Gethsemane. If God had answered that prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, we would not be gathering together. 
because we would be people without hope and we cannot pray for others to have hope. When we think about that prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and his cry from the cross, to me personally, the Moravian call makes so much sense that the lamb who was slain may have his reward. But there is weakness in our flesh. Even in solemn moments, we can become weary. I pray for salvation almost every day for people. And whenever I get an opportunity, I do share the gospel. But I'm yet to come to the place in my heart where I can feel the same intensity that the Lord had. And I'm seeking for that. And I believe all of us need to have that. But when I have a revival in my own heart, perhaps I will have the same sense of intensity. Sadly, at times when in a prayer meeting like this, I have found myself feeling sleepy and drowsy. Just as the apostles were found sleeping when the Lord was at his difficult moment. I have struggled to know the reason why do I have to feel sleepy when I'm praying, when my fellow brothers and sisters are crying out to God with such passion. It could be because of my weakness of flesh, as the Lord Jesus said, or it could be an attack of the devil. But I realize the necessity to wait and tarry with my fellow brothers and sisters as they pour out their heart before God. Today, as we have another hour of prayer, another opportunity, specifically on this day when we remember the cross, remember the agony and the pain and the separation the Lord Jesus faced. Let our prayers be with, with that voice of the Lord ringing in our ears. And may, not everybody is able to pray because of paucity of time. And some of us are not comfortable praying in public. But those of us who pray, may we have that intensity in our heart. But those of us who are listening to prayers may have our hearts praying, tarrying with those who are praying instead of getting into a sleepy mode. May the Lord enable us. Amen.